right, welcome into the final uh, edition of our four-part series, The Life of the Bengals, uh, where we take a look at how these last, these crazy last four or five months uh, have been viewed through the eyes of different corners of Bengals organization and those connected to it. Uh, we had the player with C.J. Uzama. Uh, we had the scout with Bengals college scouting director Mike Potts. We had the fan with 50 West owner Optimistic Bobby. Bobby Slattering and today the coach. Uh, so we, we bring in Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan. Uh, I am Paul Inner Jr., Jay Morrison with me of The Athletic. How are we doing, Jay? Doing great. Looking forward to capping this off with Brian. He is always, uh, one of the best guys in that organization to talk to. He's just, he's so thoughtful and, and so honest and, and just brings a lot of interesting perspective to, to everything that you ask him about. You know, that's a great, that's a great place to start because, and it was a reason why I chose Brian, um, other than how I joke with him at the beginning, I just kind of picks people I like to talk to. Uh, but, uh, but it's true because I do like to talk to him because of his background, um, his perception of things. You know, it's like you're going to talk to somebody about the personality of Joe Burrow and coaching personality and understanding the personality that some of the great ones have. How about somebody that worked directly with Peyton Manning for years? You know, I mean, it's like, and has worked with multiple number one overall picks, worked in Detroit with Matt Stafford um, as a quarterback's coach there. You know, there is just, I what one of the parts of this conversation that I really like the most is where we just start going into, you know, understanding the personality of the great ones and the difference uh because that is and we talk about it a lot with Joe Burrow because it's the selling point of Joe Burrow but that is why he's such he was such a no-brainer pick uh was because of that because you see those personality traits and you get things like Tom Brady Peyton Manning personality comparisons going around it's not fair to Joe Burrow but it's also these are things that many people very close to him have said and I think understanding you know that you can recognize that uh is huge and somebody like Brian who's worked with Peyton Manning and seen it firsthand every day in and day out and explaining what that really is and what it looks like and the difference that it makes I just found you know that's really fascinating stuff that the Bengals are going to be going into now with Burrow yeah I love the part where you, you you talk about the last dance and the some of the most interesting parts of that are seeing Michael Jordan and how he is in practice and how demanding he is. And, and Brian equates that to Peyton Manning and says, those were not easy days. Those, those practices were rough because Peyton Manning was so demanding of everybody, but ultimately it made them better personally, made them a better team and, and they won a Super Bowl with him. Yeah, they did. And, and, and you hear that everywhere, Peyton Manning has been. And it's the same thing you hear uh, about Brady and. Montana, right? Which is another Joe Burrow personality play type comp that we've heard bandied about. It, it is a part, is all of that sort of is, is a part of it is, is the personality side of things on top of obviously the way, um, the way that you play and, and 
how quickly it takes for Burrow to become that guy here is really going to be interesting over the next couple of years. Like he's coming in while he's obviously super competitive and confident and has this, this, you know, edge about him, this very hard edge, you know, how much of that is going to show as when you show up as a rookie? You know, the rookies tend to, you know, you you come in, there's a bunch of older guys, you kind of, you got to kind of push it off on them. But there's so many eyes on him. There's so many people expecting him to be this, like, guy that you wonder how long it will take him to to feel comfortable and be able to do that effectively on this level or if that's something that's going to take a season and some adverse moments where he, uh, you know, grows into that. It's a, I mean, to ask a rookie to walk into that room, uh, you know, and look at all those dudes who are 28, 29, 30, been in the league for a while, go up to AJ Green and get AJ Green's face or whatever you need, whatever you're talking about here. Like that is, that's a, that's a lot to ask of anybody. Um, no matter who you are. Yeah. But on the flip side, these guys all watch college ball and, and, and they know he has, they know what he can do physically. And if, if his work ethic is as advertised, you know, if he's out there busting it, he's the hardest working guy on the practice field for the first week of training camp or whatever it is. I, I think he can win this team over pretty quickly. It, it's you to, to be a great leader, a, a great captain. Yeah. You have to be one of the best players on the team usually, but I, I think that's going to already be. I think the talent aspect's already going to be assumed because of what he did in college last year. Yeah, it's a different level. You're kind of hitting the reset button, but he, his work ethic and how hard he goes, I think that's something that it won't take long for him to, to get the respect of his teammates, no matter how old they are, fellow rookies or veterans. Um, people take notice of that. And Brian uh, and I get into a lot of that uh, in this in this conversation. So that, that's going to be a significant part is Joe Burrow and, and personality and, and, and the building of that and the pressure of all of that is a big part of this conversation. Another part of it, um, I, I think, is about how this staff, you know, went through this past year and the, the rebuild that they envisioned. And I thought it was, you know, him talking about free agency, I thought was really interesting. And this is, this is, you know, people can talk about, you know, being surprised and he was surprised at the reaction of people, the way the Bengals acted in free agency. It wasn't to him because this is what they expected to do all along. And I thought his insight into that and, and why maybe the league has changed and it's just let, you're going to see less and less of teams that do what the Bengals, you, you know, did in the past and we'll see how much of it they do in the future. But, you know, that you just, you just have to be involved in free agency and, and the idea that that was how they sort of viewed it being from the very beginning, I thought was interesting. And, um, particularly admitting that they weren't quite able to do it right last year because they just didn't really know all the people and the parts that they were getting. Um, and you see the difference in that in the way they approach this offseason. A lot of that for Bengals fans that have been around a while and wonder if what you saw this year is going to be the wave of the future. I think what you'll hear from Brian here is maybe it is. And maybe that's what they wanted it to be. Um, and, and the way he goes into that whole process, I think is really, uh, interesting too. I, I thought it was amusing too, because we talked about how honest he is. And, and th- I don't think he was taking a shot at the Bengals organization, but it was just, it was just one of those things where he was just speaking 
his truth. And, and you ask him about how you're talking about how unprecedented this off season was and, and how unusual. And, and he said, it's not new to me. I just assumed how it's, how this is supposed to happen that you go out and sign a bunch of guys to make your team better. I just, it, it is new to the Bengals organization, organization, things that you haven't seen around here. Um, and I just thought that was interesting slash funny that, that Brian said that's, that's how it's supposed to be. Um, so maybe, maybe that is, I know everybody hates this phrase, but maybe that is the new normal, uh, for this organization. Uh, maybe it is, maybe it is. Um, and we'll see, but uh, I don't want to wait any longer. Um, so let's get to the last in this series. I hope everyone has enjoyed this, uh, as we've gone through and do it. It's kind of a, a really look. People got time on their hands these days, Jay. So we figured, why not? Why not stretch this thing all the way out? Why not we really let it breathe and really go into into the um, the true view of of how this off season has affected the Bengals everywhere? Uh, so I hope everybody enjoyed hearing uh, from CJ Uzama, Mike Potts, Bobby Slattery, and now Brian Callahan. Much thanks to those guys uh, for for joining us because it's been it's been really interesting and really good to hear from everybody in this series uh, about how they uh, sort of have, have viewed the way everything has gone down and and where the organization is as they head into what whenever the 2020 season starts so again thanks to all of those guys for joining us and thank you for listening if you've been following along I hope you go back and listen to some of the older ones if you haven't listened to them yet and uh, otherwise, uh, that'll wrap it up for us. So here is Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. Have a good one, everybody. All right. Well, last but definitely not least in our uh, four-part uh, Bengals series is going to inside the coach side of things. You've heard from the player, the scout, and the fan. Well, let's, let's, let's go to the coach. More specifically, uh, to the coordinator. That is offensive coordinator, uh, Brian Callahan. What's up, Brian? How's it going? Thanks for having me. I'm glad I got included in that list of four. It's exciting. It is. I mean, look, it, it's a prestigious group of people that I oh, called no. and that were willing to talk to me. <laughs> well, I'm glad. I'm, I'm glad I said yes. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It makes you feel good. Uh, I, yep. Well, you know, it's it's funny though because the the reason that I wanted to do it this way was because everybody has their different insight in the way that everything that's happened over the past four months with this organization has affected them and their view of it and how it all went down and what it means and, and where everybody's at going forward because it's just it's a fairly unprecedented four months in Bengals history when you look at all the money spent in free agency, which just never happens, a historical draft pick at the top, uh, number one. Uh, it's not that they've never taken somebody number one or never taken a quarterback number one, but this, the, where they're at, you know, the type of guy that had this legendary season, all of that, and, and now this offseason that's unprecedented. It's just like it's really interesting to look into how everybody has viewed something that has We've never seen before. I mean, you've never, I'm sure you've never experienced anything quite like any of this. Um, I've never experienced the, the reaction, to be honest. It's, um, you know, I think we, we planned all along to be, uh, to aggressively improve the team. And when we first got here a year ago, um, and we got, we got in a spot last year where, you know, we, we didn't probably have everything identified exactly to what we thought we needed. Um, you know, you're just going off a little bit of tape and, and the, the lateness at which everything was finally assembled, um, probably contributed to that when you talk about the defensive side of the ball. And, 
Um, you know, I just think we've, the intent was always to do this uh, for us as a staff. I, I, we always felt like that was the vision, uh, and we were going to try to improve the team by any means necessary. And, um, you know, obviously picking number one overall is uh, and, and having a player like uh, Joe Burrow available is exciting. And I know Zach said it before. Uh, we don't plan on doing that again. That wasn't a whole lot of fun uh, to get to that point. But, um, you know, we just I think we had a very good idea of what was – needed to do to improve our team and, and we aggressively went out to do it and to me it's not necessarily new because those are the places that I've been before that's those are the things that we've done and that's how you get your team better I just always assume that's what was supposed to happen um, you know to I haven't been here for long enough to know the ins and outs of the history I just know what I hear and um, I just didn't know there was there's really no other way you got to be active in free agency and you got to draft well and that's just it is around here the the active and free agency part has always been uh not really a part of the the equation and it's so it's kind of it's refreshing certainly for fans but it i mean you you know i mean you've been places where do you weigh that because you know, i i i would also say yeah being a homegrown team is ideal for everyone. I mean, everyone would love it if all their draft picks hit and then you develop them and then you give them all extensions. That's clearly the most efficient way and the most predictive way to build a roster. But really, it's just not really the way things operate. Why do you think the NFL has changed so much where it's harder and harder to live that way? Um, I think ultimately... The NFL's come become a place where experience is valued, and uh, it's a, it's a, the college game and the pro game uh, have kind of diverged in a sense. Like they're just there's a lot of differences um, that I think you're starting to see uh, kind of come back around. There's some there's some more elements of college football being kind of reintroduced back into pro football, but for a while, uh, I think the the, the 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 gap between the two is so different. The schemes were so different, uh, and in turn the curve at which guys produced and how quickly I think could be pretty steep. It wasn't always, but it could be pretty steep. So all of a sudden, if you get a chance to sign a free agent who's on his, going into a second contract and has played for four years, um, the, your your return is usually going to be better than uh, a rookie who's going to take two to three years to get comfortable anyway. So I think there's the immediacy of, of free agency that allows you to, to you know exactly what you're getting, whereas uh, in the draft, sometimes you don't know. You don't know how, how quickly these uh, guys develop and how quickly they um, get up to speed because um, the game is very different at the NFL level uh, for a lot of reasons. But there's just no you just don't know. Uh, you hope and you 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 evaluate the best you can and you make those decisions based on their makeup and you hope that you you have the right package and that it's immediate. Um, but sometimes it's not, and I think that's where the value of free agency being where uh, and the, everyone's trying to win now. You know there really is no such thing as building i mean you you want to build but uh, how often has that been done you know yeah. so the mindset's always to, to you you're building a team but you know we all know that the the, the leash isn't very long uh so you're, you're trying to build quickly and then how do you build quickly well you supplement it with free agency yeah um, and i think that's what everybody's done um, because that's 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 the easiest way to to get your team better fast and i, I remember our one year in denver we had drafted pretty well there early, um, and then you know we go sign Peyton Manning in free agency, uh, which ended up kind of obviously turning the fortunes of, of, of about a five-year period there. And 
But what, what kind of gets overlooked is that we had good young talent on the roster on offense particularly. And then the year that we won the, the Super Bowl, we went out and signed a bunch of guys on defense that made a huge difference. Um, with DeMarcus Ware and TJ Ward, uh, you know, some of those guys on, on the defensive side that we signed, uh, were, were, were big differences in the, in the getting over the hump to go win the Super Bowl. And so there is a, I think the, the flip side of it is they got to be the right guys. You know, you can't just go sign players to go sign players. Uh, they got to be the right type of fit. They got to, they got to have the right type of personality. If you're going to pay a guy a bunch of money, you want to know that you're getting the right, right person in your locker room. And, you know, there's a little bit of uncertainty in that regard, but you do the best, most homework you can, uh, prior to that process. So, uh, I just think it's a, it's a combination of all the things. You kind of got to be good at everything, you know? You got to, you got to yeah. acquire, acquire talent in every way that's available to you to get well, you you and I have have talked about this actually before um, during the course of last season, uh, and that is like how how you really fix a culture and how hard that is to do, and the importance of it in a league where 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 everybody's talent level is probably somewhere in the eight and eight vicinity. You know, in mm-hmm. that the real difference in the teams that really make it are the ones that have. Whatever you, that, that special mixture in, in, in the locker room. I mean, how, how, how do you, how do you do that? And how do you, how do you, how do you mix roster building into that equation? You know, how, how much, how much are you going too far and worrying about character versus making sure the guys can play and, and vice versa? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, you gotta, you're, you want to acquire the talent first. You know, the talent is the main part. Um, because everybody's going to have good players, and, and and truthfully, most of the guys that play in this league are good people. Uh, there's not very many of them that I've come across that uh, you have a problem with necessarily. Um, and so you, you're always trying to. The talent level is the most important thing. So you 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 have to find the good enough talent. And when push comes to shove, if there's a, if there's an uh, an equal playing field, so to speak. Uh, a guy with talent and leadership ability and the the right kind of mental makeup is always going to win out versus just pure talent and not quite sure what you're getting everywhere else. Um, but but ultimately, I think you still it's it's we're not looking for for choir boys that can't play. You know, we we, need, we want people that can play football at a high level, and that's the starting point. And you never really deviate from that. Really, uh, you're trying to find the best players you can find and. Uh, when you start being able to find the, uh, let me put it this way. I was, I was told a long time ago, uh, and it always has resonated with me that when your best players are your hardest workers is when you really have a chance. Uh, when, you, when your best players, the, the guys that have the, the most, uh, publicity and, and fame, if you will, and recognition, when those guys are the ones setting the tone, uh, for how to work and how to go about the daily preparation, uh, and, and how to work through adversity and how to handle success, which is just as hard sometimes. Um, those are the, that's when you have something, uh, right with your culture. Um, and it's, that's, it's, it's easy to say. It's really not easy to find or do all the time, surprisingly. You, what and you don't, why, well, what you don't realize is you just wrote the segue to talking about Joe Burrow. Right. I mean, isn't that, isn't that what this is? I mean, the, everything that you just talked about. 
And, but there's, you know, people say, oh, but his intangibles are off the charts. That's what you're talking about. It's the legendary competitiveness and work ethic that goes along with throwing 60 touchdowns is a guy who will be your most famous the minute he walks in the door next to AJ Green. And, and when everybody, that everybody will be looking at, you know, is known, renowned really for being the guy who works the hardest, who is the most competitive, or at least was in college and made it pay off in, in the form of a national championship. Those are the, those are the types of, of people you're looking to acquire as many of them as you can. Yeah. Um, and, and I think when you look at our draft class too, you see a lot of guys that that are in. There's we draft a lot of captains. That's kind of been made. You know, pretty well, pretty well publicized. You know, look at these guys were captains, but what does that mean to be a captain? Um, and it's, it's those things that you just talked about. It's, captains are usually the guys that have earned the respect of their peers because of how they play, first and foremost. Um, I've not been around too many people that, uh, have captains that aren't good players. <laughs> and so <laughs> you, you, you earn the right to, to play well to be a captain because that's the first sign of respect amongst the team is that the guys that play the best are usually going to be in the, conversation for being captain then what separates the guys that actually become captains are those types of people that are really good players but then they set the tone with how they do their how they go about their business their work ethic um their uh, attention to detail their the way they conduct themselves uh off the field away from the building those things are all important but that's why you see the captains there but i i think the the best thing to play it out there is that Usually you're a captain because you play well. That's the first thing. Yeah. Um, and a guy like Joe, you know, to go in there from not being from anywhere near the South, which is a whole different world um, when it comes to the type of people and the, the culture is so much different than uh, Ohio, for that matter, uh, to go down there in, in, a, in a short amount of time and earn the respect and the right uh, to be a captain of that football team is um, that speaks volumes to me. Uh, to be able to do that in that short amount of time that he, he earned that respect so quickly because of how he handled his business, because of how he worked. And really everybody eventually saw him uh, and they said, that's what I want. That's, that's who I want to follow. I want to be like that. Um, and he brought everybody with him. I, I've heard, I've heard, you know, in, in this, it's, un, I always feel bad about this. It's unfair. And people that I've heard, I just heard it mentioned so many times is you start making comps and it's unfair to the kid. Right, like if, you, you can't you can't say this guy could be the next Tom Brady. You know how unfair that is. You know what I mean? Uh, but 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 and the, but when you're trying to talk about traits, the one thing that I've heard is the the competitiveness level uh, of Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, in a large part, was known as what set them apart, and that's why people have made those comps. You were around Peyton Manning. You saw that. You lived it firsthand in Denver. Do you see those traits in that respect from just strictly from, you know, that the, the work at the competitiveness, all that, the off the field stuff? Do you, do you see that in, in when you looked in and, and got to know Joe a little bit? I did. I saw a lot of things that, that reminded me of him. Um, and, and, and it's hard to, to know how, uh, how close or, um, how far he would be from that standard. At this point, without seeing around his teammates, I don't, I haven't seen enough of that to, to make a statement about it. But from everything that I've seen, just in the preparation of my interactions with him, uh, through this process is that, um, he is, he is, uh, I use the term wired a lot. He, he's wired that way that things connect in his brain the way they connect 
um, with the guys that I've seen that are uh, elite level um, types of, I should say, types of personalities. Um, you know, the play is totally different than, than really what we're talking about. Um, but I think that you look for traits and you look for things that, that you can tangibly see uh, and that's you, you hope that there's a lot of those. Um, some guys have some. There's a uh, he does this this one part well or that one part well or uh, I see his his intensity in, in certain things, not everything. Um, you know the difference I think between guys like Tom Brady and Peyton Manning's is, and you can you can throw them into the conversations with the the, the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryant's, is that they never it never shuts off ever mm-hmm. and. They can make it seem like it does when you when you know I mean, in their life they can balance it, but it never shuts off. And uh, they are all about the, their focus is so lasered that um, nothing really gets in the way of it. And I think that those are the I, I see those things um, in Joe as I've as I've interacted with him. I I'm not saying he's there or he, he's on that level by any stretch, um, but. You just like I said, when you look for the makeup and the wiring of, of a personality, um, they're, they're similar. The, the traits are similar. What um, what was it like watching that season, his season? You know, it was even just as a as it kind of went along. You know, we we kind of follow college football loosely. You know, most of us kind of follow our alma maters enough to um to talk a little talk a little junk every now and again. Um, you know, or maybe you, you, you're betting your alma mater's playing somebody else's that you, in your room, and you just you, you put a little five dollar five dollar bet on it for fun, just to have something to talk about. And so we we kind of loosely follow college football, but don't follow. You know, I don't watch every game, or uh, we're just not able to. You know, but for some reason, the, uh, you know, the SEC games tend to always be on on Saturday nights, and they they just were always on in the in the, in the later parts of the day. So when we were traveling or at a hotel. Those games tended to be on, and so it was kind of fun to watch. And, and you know, I love watching SEC football to begin with. But you know, you kind of heard his—you heard the outside noise of his lore start to grow, um, you know, publicly. And then you just kind of watch it for fun, and you go, "Yeah, I like the way this guy plays football." Um, and you just kept—I kept waiting for when is the when is the when's it going to come down? You know, when's it going to come crashing down? Uh, when is when's the four interception game coming? When's the the loser? When he's going to lose a game he's not supposed to lose? When is it coming? Because over the course of history, that usually is what happens. Something there's a bump along the road somewhere. And the thing that I thought was the most fun to follow is that it never really happened. Uh, and that's a credit to that whole team, really. I mean, it's not just him, but those guys never allowed never allowed a dip. They played at a high level from wire to wire, and that's a a really hard thing to do, and it's really impressive that they had enough uh, leadership and people on there to, to be able to continue that standard. Because it really is, there's a really, it's, it's really, really hard to deal with success. I think over the course of a season like that, uh, you start to believe you're good. You don't do the things you did before. Um, dealing with success sometimes is just as hard as dealing with uh, the adversity of losing. Because when you're losing, you're trying to claw out of it. When you're winning, you feel good, uh, and everybody's telling you how good you are and patting you on the back and uh, it's a testament to how that team. That, that's what I thought was the most fun is watching that team uh, be able to handle that the success uh, and continue to play at a high level, and they never they never wavered. That was pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, 
and not just never wavered, but like somehow seemed to just continue to climb. It's like some he kept upping himself. It was just for, yeah. it was like how you know, seven touchdowns in the first half of the playoff game is like oh. This, this isn't even real life, you know what I mean? It's, 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 it's out. But to me, that's where, that's where you guys run into, I don't know, maybe you don't view it this way, is, as your biggest obstacle with this is, is maybe managing expectations. Like, a guy comes, you can't have higher expectations than coming off of the greatest college football season we've ever seen by a quarterback. And to come into a place where everybody's trying to figure out and he's going to try to learn the NFL, a dude who's never really lost before. Uh, I mean, you know, you can like all the makeup that you want, but um, how do you manage those expectations and how do you prepare Joe Burrow for failure a little bit when some of that's going to be very inevitable? Yeah, I mean, it's... You know, the teams don't go undefeated in the NFL. You know, yeah. you're, gonna, you're gonna take a loss at some point. Um, that's just, that's just, that's, that's history. <laughs> it tells you that it's only happened once. So, um, you just, you use the, the mentality is a little bit different in that regard. And I think the biggest thing when you're getting ready, um, to play the NFL season at, at, at any point, uh, whether you have the, the, the history, you know, a lot of these guys have won a lot of games. Um, and I know Joe's season was spectacular in that regard, but I think his his responsibility the same is, is the one that I that I'm going to give, and that's you get to those levels by by preparing and working, and you don't ever really think about the rest of it, and it's it gets a little bit cliche and kind of coach speak and all that, but there's really no other way to handle it because um, if if you allow the doubt to creep in or you allow the uh, complacency to creep in on the other side. There's just a lot of things that can go wrong if, if you don't do your do it the right way, and I think doing it the right way all the time is what uh, allows that success. It's the it's when all that preparation and work meets the opportunity, and there and those opportunities are so short, and they're sh- and they're they're almost like bursts. Like you just you only get so so many times, and uh, to to deviate at all from what uh, what what gets somebody to those to those moments is um, would be would. That's that, that's how you that's how you lose those moments, I think. And so, uh, the the work and the preparation meet these short windows of opportunity. And I think guys that know that understand it. They don't they don't think of it any other way. So, um, the long winded ver- the long winded answer uh, is ultimately that he won't look at it any different. His the way he approached every game at LSU was going to be the same way he approaches every game. And and success or uh, failure is going to be handled the same way you just go back to work and you you prepare the same way for the next moment and so um i think that's really the only way to do it and there's not a whole lot of other um alternatives and that's why i think you look at sustained success and you look at tom brady and the patriots and you look at peyton manning's career and the and the the way that they won and they won because they they kind of had this weird fascination and and um intensity about really mundane details like the day-to-day grind was fun it was it was that's what makes it enjoyable and once you deviate from that course you end up uh usually along the way not being able to sustain that success and it's just this uh, it's almost like mind-numbing in a sense like every single day you go to work it's just you're going to grind it out as hard as you can go on the on the things that you that may not seem important, but they really are in the long run. And so um, I think it's just that that ability to have a sustained focus on, on each day and on each task and on each detail that you don't really worry about at, at 
the, the, the long-term goal it happens when it happens. And I think if you guys that approach it like that have a lot of success. Yeah. I mean, it, that makes sense. No, it does. Ab- no, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, it, it's, there, there's just the, the, that kind of focus a lot of people lack it. I lack it, you know, showing up every day and being able to like, you know, am I, am I, am I going to, Maybe I'm not going to grind over this Callahan interview today. You know, <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to coast and let him take it. You know, yeah. uh, <laughs> I think, but I mean, I think when you look, when you look at these, you know, and it's only relevant because it's on right now. And everybody, you know, is, is looking for something to, to entertain them. But you look at the Last Dance, and and uh, you look at the personality of Michael Jordan, and like you take those personalities, but you you plug them in, and that's Kobe Bryant, and that's. Peyton Manning, and that's Tom Brady, and that's Wayne Gretzky, and that's that's all these people we we hold up on the pedestal as great, and they're they're those those elements are the same. They they, they it's just this unrelenting um, uh, drive that nothing's going to get in the way, but I'm but it's going to be done through a lot of hard work and expectation that everyone around me is going to work just as hard. Yeah. And do the things that I want to do because that's me as the leader of that team. Uh, I want I want to achieve something great. And I know that I need everybody else with me, so I'm going to bring them with me, and they're going to ultimately get on my level or get out. Yeah, what, what it, that's what that's why I love I think most about things like the like the Last Dance documentary is like the practice footage. And just watching Michael Jordan just get after his teammates in practice and, and just, just destroy them, just showing that there's not going to be one minute that we're standing on this floor that I'm not going to be judging, evaluating, and pushing you, and I'm your teammate, you know? It's yeah. just, you don't, you don't see that. Yep. And that's, yeah, that's, uh, it's hard to, it's hard to quantify, it's hard to put that into words, uh, unless you've, unless you've seen it, and I think, Everybody's getting this glimpse into Michael Jordan as to as to what he as how he was as a competitor, um, and I think that's exactly how that's exactly how Peyton was too. I mean, it was a it was a hard uh, it was a cha- every day was a challenge. He challenged everybody all the time, and that ultimately made everybody better. And that's the only thing that he cared about was making sure that everybody was good enough to do the job that they were told to do and knew how to do it and could do it on a level that was. Uh, to him, appropriate, and and only then was it was it going to be even close to having a chance to be good enough. Yeah, and really nothing ever, ultimately nothing ever was, um, because th- th- it wasn't good enough unless the end result was to be the best. And you know you me- you measure that in championships, and that's what everybody wants. And so, uh, really, almost to circle back all the way to the, the first part of this was. Um, you know, how do you acquire the talent that, and how do you build a team? Well, you need guys like that, um, that separate, that make you different than everybody else. And those guys that are different than everybody else can then elevate everyone around them in that same, um, uh, kind of scope of you have to do it as good as you've ever done it. And that is what I expect every day. Yeah. Huh. And, you can do that as a coach because coaches, that's how coaches are inherently, um, you know, that's how we go about our business. But it doesn't have the same effect. Unless you have players that are like that, it doesn't matter. Yeah. For you for you guys, I mean, how much – when you start getting into the logistics of a challenging offseason, 
with the the whole virtual thing. You're not going to be doing the, getting the real off season program. Who knows when training camp comes around? A rookie quarterback, um, an offense that you established last year, even though you, I mean, changed it on the fly, ripping up the running game and all the other stuff that happened. Um, how much? Do you have in, in, you know, how much of LSU's offense can you bring over? Should you bring over is translatable? And how much of that do you start installing right away? Or because of the circumstances, do you gotta kinda take it little by little and, and not go there necessarily yet? How do you approach that? Um, I think we, we have a, we have a system and a philosophy, uh, and a way that we, we believe in playing offensive football. Um, and that's where you start. And plays and scheme, those things come. Um, and, and it's not like we would uh, take our entire playbook and just copy LSU's because, you know, it's a, it's a different game at this level. We see different things. Um, you have to have more answers because you just, you, the, the variation is so much um, wider as far as the things that you see from defenses on a week-to-week basis. And so uh, you have to have enough to handle all that. And when you get to installing, you know, a lot of our past game, uh, you know, if you really want to, like, trace the lineage, you know, Joe Brady came from, from New Orleans, which is Sean Payton. Sean Payton is for a long time. Sean Payton's uh, kind of a, a combination of a Bill Parcells uh, and West Coast-type philosophy. Um, those are the two guys. He's he'd been around Parcells a long time. He started with John Gruden back in Philly. In 1995. So when you start going back to the history, you see where people's roots are. Um, and so the passing game itself, uh, ours is very similar in nature. You know, um, Zach and I have somewhat very pretty clear West Coast offense roots. And, um, but I also spent a long time in the, in the Indianapolis Peyton Manning type offense. And then we evolved that some. So, uh, there's not a whole lot of passing game concepts that we haven't seen or don't have, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so, and there's, and what they did at LSU, they did some really good things at LSU. They were well coached. Um, they did a good job. But at the end of the day, the scheme itself isn't all that different from what we currently have. It's just how do you deploy it? And um, they did a great job with their personnel because they had some pretty dynamic players and they, They'll do what we're going to do, and we're going to find the best possible way to put our guys in position to have success. Uh, and what was good for LSU may not be good for exactly who we have and how they line up. Um, and so we'll have to adapt some. But uh, there's also uh, the, the next layer of it is the comfortable comfortability. I guess I'm not even the same word. I don't think, but uh, how the how the quarterback feels about certain things is always on our forefront and always has been. Um, even, you know, every year, every year I've been in the league and every Saturday night last year, we'd sit down with Andy and go, okay, hey, what are your top calls? And you go through and you make sure those are the calls that come off the sheet because if the quarterback likes the call, they're going to make it work. And, uh, there's been very few times where I've ever been a part of something where uh, a play call comes in that the quarterback doesn't like or, or doesn't feel comfortable with. So, uh, I think you mold those things and take it all into account. Uh, and you kind of got to build it for the best for everybody. And then at the end of the day, what's the quarterback do that makes him feel the most comfortable? And all that starts with the, you have to have a system in place to begin with. Otherwise you can't, it's hard to deviate from it. So if you have a system and it's adaptable and flexible like ours is, uh, you, once you get the starting point and then you can branch. 
Um, does that kind of make sense? No, I, absolutely. I mean, at the, at the end of the day, there's only there's only so many plays, only so many adjustments, only so many protections that you even can do. The biggest one that I that I think about, and that we we talked about this a little bit uh, at the combine. I don't even know how much I wrote about it, but. Um, was, you know, the five-man protection stuff that became so prevalent yeah. and was, you know, and I don't know, rightfully or wrongfully, but really noted a lot in why Joe Burrow did so much better from last year to this previous year uh, and, and how much of that you can do on, on the NFL level when when everybody is a freak coming off the edge and three techniques that will just dominate people. It's like... I mean, how much of that really does translate to where you can do that? Or is that kind of a perfect example of, well, you can't just do everything the same as LSU? Uh, the latter, yeah. yeah. You can't do everything the same. And um, uh, The one thing I do when I when you, know, you look at LSU and, you know, they had a really talented team and they were really good and they were better than most of the teams they played. Just pure talent. Just walking off the bus, they were better. And... Uh, there was a handful of games where they were probably evenly matched, uh, which is that's SEC football. You know, there's they get to those spots and there there's dudes on the other side that are just as good. Well, that the two or three times that happened per, in the year for them is every week in the NFL, and you know, there's very few teams that are that much better talent wise than than the other. We, everybody's got talent. Um, some have lots of it in certain places, but everybody's got talent. So. When you line up, and if you do, and these and these defensive coaches are really good, and they're not scared of the talent gap. Where sometimes in college, uh, defenses are, they they know they don't match up, so they just they play vanilla and they don't do a lot because they they're just trying to keep it from from getting fifty points scored on them. And the difference is these NFL coordinators aren't scared of anybody, and they respect everybody, but they they're just as confident in their guys as we are in ours, and so. They're really smart, and they work really hard at trying to figure out ways to beat these teams and find your weaknesses and exploit them. And so um, if you give somebody just one thing all the time, they will find ways to beat it. Uh, they will make it hard for you. They will force you to adjust. Otherwise, they're, they're going to stop you <laughs> ultimately. And uh, I know most quarterbacks that I've ever been around like the five-man protections because uh, it, everything is – out in front of you, you have everybody's out in the route. Uh, then you make everybody cover. There's a lot of advantages to it, and we did quite a bit of it last year. Um, ultimately, we, we we spent a good amount of time in five man protection, uh, but it's just it's hard to make a living in it. Uh, if you were just going to say we're going to be in five man protection all day long every snap, uh, that, that that makes that can make life a little hard. Um, so there's there's advantages to it. We do plenty of it. We'll do plenty of it. Um, but you still got to be able to, you know, marry up your run game and your play action game, and you still got to protect every now and again because that blitz, the, the, you know, you get blitzed and you got to be able to pick it up, and they'll make life hard in five man protections if you uh, if you allow them to. So, uh, just like everything, it's a mix. You know, you got to be able to do enough things to keep the defense honest. Yeah, well, it's. And there's there's no better friend to a rookie quarterback than uh, Joe Mixon running for 1,500 yards or something like that. You know, I mean, that's oh, – no. <laughs> I, I, ideally, everything is easier, and especially when you come into a season where, let's be honest, like, you know, the offense – you look around, the offensive line is the one group where you say, well, they've, they've got to they've step up and be better. It's, you know, it's if, – if, if you can get uh, a running game that gets going uh, and you don't have to worry, you, you take pressure off of that and, you know. But I know 
know, I know you guys felt like the second half of last year, you started to figure out a lot of those pieces and, and, and get that running game going. And it, and it showed, um, in, in some of the effectiveness of the offense, even playing without, you know, what you're going to have this year, which you, five new starters, uh, when yeah. you, when you throw AJ Green and Jonah Williams and Joe Burrow and Xavier Suofilo and potentially T Higgins, like, <laughs> you know, for all the people, change. <laughs> you know, well, let's see what what are the most important positions on a field? Like maybe quarterback, wide receiver one, left tackle, uh, wide receiver two, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. <laughs> let's add all first round picks, uh, basically into there. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, for you guys, it's that's got to be the refreshing part about it. Is it is uh, you know. You wanted to forget about two and fourteen. Well, there's not much that's going to be out there next year. There's some, but that's going to resemble what two and fourteen looked like last year, personnel wise. Yeah. And I think what what gives us um, the most the most confidence in in our direction is that you know they, there's a lot of those games that that we were we fought in and were fighting in and had chances to win and we didn't win. Um, you know, the, we were in some tight games and some one possession games that uh, we felt like we should have won. Um, and we didn't for whatever the reasons were. And the makeup of our team and the way that those guys played gives us a lot of confidence that when we inject everybody the healthy back into the roster that you take all those things that, that all that fight, all that tenacity um, that our guys showed, even in, even staring in the face of a, of a lost season in the sense that you know, we weren't going to make the playoffs. Eventually, at one point, that became mathematically impossible. So, uh, the way those guys showed up and worked, and now you add the add the pieces that were missing. You know, we we feel really good about the direction we're headed and what we could accomplish. At some point, whenever football played again. Yeah, it's like you've, you've never probably anticipated more getting a group of guys on a field together just to see what they look like, and you've got to sit here and wait for who knows how long to do it. Yeah, just think about it. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that, that won't get old at all. No, not at all. Not at all. <laughs> uh, Brian, I appreciate it as always, man. Always good to, uh, to catch up, and, uh, you know, it's been a long, a long four months, eventful four months. Yeah. I, I'm trying to think of a day you guys weren't in some sort of headline the last four months, whether whether you wanted to be, asked to be, or earned it, or whatever. It was just like every new day I was supposed to be taking like a couple of days off, and it was something else popping off. I mean, uh, it's a busy few months. Uh, yeah, what's, what's, the old, what's the old adage, uh, that the, the Hollywood adage? No, all, all press is good press. Yeah, all press, all press is good press. It, it, it looks good. It looks good from here for sure. It looks good from at this point. In, in with with the rest of it in the rearview mirror, it looks good from here. Yeah, a, <laughs> we talked briefly about it at the combine, but just to you know the the narratives that got spun. You know, I mean, they did their job. They they created they created clicks and headlines and controversy in case. The, People talked about it, you know. Yeah. Um, but man, it got old. I'll tell you that. 
<laughs> it sure, it sure did. And, and, and I just, I enjoyed, I enjoyed the way everyone, uh, everyone backed off and backtracked once they realized it was never going to happen at the end. Everyone's like, all right, we're, we're resigned that it was sort of all just kind of made up the whole time. So. Yeah. We, sorry, uh, we'll, we'll just, uh, we'll stop now. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for reading all the other stuff though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Oh man. Well, it's just another, uh, just another day, just another day in our world. And don't worry, it will get worse as people have no games to write about. Don't worry about that. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> hold on. Hold on to your butts on that one. Brian, I appreciate yeah. it, man. Uh, take it easy. Got Stay it. safe and all that stuff. We appreciate you joining, Stay and uh, we will we'll catch you down the road. Sounds good. Have a good one.